purple shirts back there. And I hope that we'll hear from them on why they're wearing the purple shirts in a minute. But we're going to start our service. Uh, We're going to sing Just a Little Talk with Jesus this morning. If you want to rise, you can do that. You don't have to. Might make singing easier, though. I I know I sing better when I stand. Singing, sitting down is a little difficult. Anyway. I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. And then a little light of heaven filled my soul. He bathed my heart in love and wrote my name above. And just a little talk with Jesus made me whole. Now let us have a little talk with Jesus. Let us tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our famous cry. He will answer by and by. Now when you feel a prayer will turn in, you'll know a little fire is burning. Find a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Sometimes my past seems drear without a ray of cheer. Then a cloud of doubt may hide the light of day. Myths of sin may rise and hide the starry sky. Just a little talk with Jesus clears the way. Now let us have a little talk with Jesus. Let us tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our famous cry. And he will answer by and by. Now when you feel the prayer will turn in, then you'll know a little fire is burning. He will find a little talk with Jesus makes it right. I may have doubts and fears, my eyes be filled with tears. Jesus is a friend who watches day and night. I go to him in prayer. He knows my every care. And just a little talk with Jesus makes it right. And let us have a little talk with Jesus. Let us tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our famous cry. And he will answer by and by. And when you feel the prayer will turn in. You know a little fire is burning. He will find a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Have a little talk with Jesus. Let us tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our famous cry. And he will answer by and by. Now when you feel the prayer will turn in. And you know a little fire is burning. He will find a little talk with Jesus. Makes it right. If you haven't found that out yet, I hope you will try it. A little talk with Jesus makes a lot of things a whole lot better. Amen? Amen. It's good seeing everybody this morning. Praise the Lord for each one of you. As as Chris pointed out, we have some of our youth that was able to go to camp here this morning. We're going to hear from them in a little bit. But most of all, I just want to say praise the Lord that we have a house we can freely and openly uh, allow our young people to come up and share Christ like that. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and, and start this service off right. Father, I thank you for this opportunity we have to gather in your house. I thank you for what the men behind me have just led us in worship to let us know that we can have that talk with you, Lord God, and know that things be made right. Father, just watch over us throughout this morning. Let us have a, 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 a edifying time, but most of all, may be a glorifying of your name. Father, may we do things and say things and be what you call us to be so that your name is lifted up, your name is glorified, and we will leave here knowing that we've been in the presence, not of just one another, but been in the presence of our Lord and Savior. May your will be done in this house today. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Like I said, it's good seeing everybody today. Walk around a second, shake somebody's hand, give them a hug, let them know it's good to see them in God's house this morning. Bigger than all my problems, bigger than all my fears, God's bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. 
Bigger than all my questions, bigger than anything, God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Bigger than all the shadows that fall across my path, God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Bigger than my confusion, bigger than anything, God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Bigger than all my problems, bigger than all my fears, God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Bigger than all my questions, bigger than anything. God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Bigger than all the giants of fear and unbelief. God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Bigger than my discouragement, bigger than anything. God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Bigger than all my problems, bigger than all my fears. God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Bigger than all my questions, bigger than anything, God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Bigger than all my problems, bigger than all my fears, God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Bigger than all my questions, bigger than anything, God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Thank you, guys. Well, God, oh, I didn't know who was the scripture reading this morning. I forgot to look. Do you know? Well, I was going to do that at a regular time. Is he ready? Are you going to do scripture reading? All right, just a few announcements this morning. I'm sorry, I'm up here giving hand signals and all this other stuff. Uh, as I get started, let me just quickly say, I, I, I don't really have very many announcements to make, but it is good to see Miss Peggy in the church back there this morning. Praise the Lord, it's good to have you back. And I told the Sunday school class this morning, I said, I told Miss Peggy I'd have her room done, but Wednesday, I plan on coming up Wednesday and doing that. Uh, but praise the Lord, it's good to see you back this morning. We, you're still in our prayers, and we pray for you regularly in your family. Um, also, too, as far as prayers go, let me just uh, thank you guys for prayers for Marty. As you know, he had his liver transplant. He was supposed to be in a, a medically induced coma for three days, and then ICU for two weeks, and then moving to a floor. Well, uh, he's already back home. Uh, now he's got to go see, yeah, Amen. He's got to go see some specialists quite often the next few weeks. But the, the one nurse said she's been there 23 years, and he's only the second one she's seen do so well that he, he had one day of coma, two days of ICU, and then went home on Friday. So that, that's pretty impressive. And Yeah, glory to God. So thank you for your prayers. And my family came down from Alabama, and they all told them doctors that's because he's being lifted in a whole lot of prayers. Yeah, at one point he had four pastors in the room in there. Uh, visiting him. That, that's Not that pastors have anything special going on to God any better than anybody else, but I just let, saw how many churches being represented that were praying for him as well. So thank you for your prayers there. I appreciate that. Uh, I really can't think of any announcements. Uh, Rod said, send, tell everybody he's missing y'all, but he's having a good time at Port Aransas this morning. Okay, so he's at Port A. 
other than that, it's good to see everybody made it back from their vacations. And, and I would say that, that as far as announcements go, uh, just we, we do have our services on Sunday evening and our Thursday night services, and I want to invite you to those. And am I missing any announcements? Nothing's coming up right now. That's odd. I'm used to having to announce something there. All right, well, Brother John's going to come up and give you the scripture reading this morning. pray with you, brother. Father God, I again lift up my brother to you. I thank you for his willingness and his diligence to come and, and share and open the word with us. I just pray that you, we would hear you through him. Bless him and his family for this, Lord, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Second Kings chapter 6, starting in verse 1. The sons of the prophets said to Elijah, Please notice the place where we live under your supervision is too small for us. Please let us go to the Jordan, where we can get a log, and each can build ourselves a place to live there. Go, he said. Then one said, Please come with your servants. I'll come, he said. So he went with them, and when they came to the Jordan, they cut down the trees. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water, and he cried out, Oh, my master, it was borrowed. Then the man of God asked, Where did it fall? And when he showed him the place, the man of God cut a stick and threw it in there and made the iron float. Then he said, Pick it up. So he reached out and took it. So this scripture reading, first, it's pretty important to return tools that we borrowed. <laughs> you saw the urgency at which he, uh, you know, cried out, Oh, my master, it was borrowed. But then also, God can make iron float. He has power over all the elements. He has power over everything. And Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this time together, and we ask now that you would uh, bless this uh, message we received today, be with uh, uh, the music team and uh, any of the youth that come and give their presentation today. We just thank you for, for all of this, and we thank you for this time that we have to, to worship you and, and fellowship with one another. We ask that you would be in control of this entire, an entire day and use us in your kingdom according to your will. And thank you for your many blessings in the name of Jesus. For yours is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever. Amen. I know it's a little warmer than usual. One of the air conditioners is out. We only have one running. But the fans are on if you want to turn your fans on there. All right. Well, let's continue in song this morning. You guys want to stand? That's all right. Uh, we'll have the words up on the screen. We're going to sing, I know whom I believe. I know not why God's wondrous grace to me he has made known. No unworthy Christ in love redeemed me for his own but I know whom I believe 
persuaded and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I know not how this saving faith to me he did impart, nor how believing in his word wrought peace within my heart. But I know who I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I know not how the Spirit moves convincing men of sin. Revealing Jesus through the word creating faith in him. But I know persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I know not what of good or ill may be reserved for me. The weary ways of golden days before his face I see. But I know Persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I know not when my Lord may come at night or noonday fair, nor if I walk the veil with him or meet him in the air. But I know. Persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. But I know whom I believe it and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Glory filled. 
display for all to see the beauty of your majesty wakes my heart to sing how marvelous how wonderful you are beautiful one I love beautiful one I adore beautiful one my soul must sing beautiful one I love beautiful one
good good father and i just pray that we continue to make you such in our hearts and minds as well if there's anyone here today that does not know this that has not bowed a knee and accepted you as their lord and savior may they change that today and put their heart in your hands in jesus name we pray amen amen praise the lord you can be seated this morning uh, prior to me going up i wanted to give an opportunity to the young people a lot of the young folks couldn't make it this morning they had plans elsewhere that their parents had plans for them elsewhere but the few that did come and are of the group that we were able to take are here. And I'm going to turn it over to Miss Annie and let y'all guys come up. And if anybody wants to give a testimony about youth camp this week. So come on up, guys. Looks like you the spokesman. You the man. Yeah, yep, you it. You it. Yep. To see you, honey. Zach. All right. Okay, I'm a little nervous, so if I get tongue tied, forgive me. Okay. She's still that way. She's beating on my week. Hit me, too. Okay. Um, can I have that picture put up, Bob? Okay. We talked about miracles in Sunday school this morning. And I want y'all to know God does perform miracles. Amen. When I came Monday, 
this was me. Since then, God straightened, he curled my hair. He put racing stripes in it. My eyes are straight and my tongue is shorter. He does <laughs> do miracles, y'all. Okay, but all kidding aside, um, we had a really good time this week. The reason why I am wearing this is because Miss Carla was supposed to go, but she had some family things come up and couldn't make it. So I love you, Camp. I've been going for a decade. Yeah. So I, I love Camp, so I took her place. And then Pastor Frank, well, he blew out his knee, so Ted took his place. So that's why we have these pictures. They were too late to... Um, change did you have to be me brother because that hair just doesn't cut it I, I do yes he's going to put that one up. and i'll tell you it was hard kissing him at night i had to turn the picture around before i could kiss him <laughs> so before we went to our cabin That's i right. know we got in trouble for that one year for holding hands <laughs> and the kids kept reminding me of that too okay and then i uh, when we first got there I warned the kids. I used to teach pre-K also, and I would always say, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Well, that's what I told them. And then Thursday morning, I was tired and being really ugly, saying some things I shouldn't have, being a very bad example. And what was our Bible study on? God hit me right between the eyes. So, and Ted, too, he kicked me and told me, he goes, that's you. So when we got to our group time, I had to confess and I had to ask for forgiveness because I was being a really bad example, especially after I'd already warned the kids not to do that. But I want you to know that you could be, we, only, we don't even have half our kids here. All the kids that said they were going to talk this morning chickened out on me. They said they had other plans, but I think they just chickened out. But anyway, we, we had a really good group. We had a good time. We had a little rocky start, but... I saw God working through these kids this week. Uh, some of them that really didn't know each other got to really know each other. Um, you saw some of the pictures. Uh, they played, uh, they got together and played games together, not just with the other group, but they played games together. But if another group came in and wanted to play, they played with them. So we, we they really came a lot closer this week. So, uh, not only helping themselves, but they would pray for each other in the group. But I was asked to come out because there was a young lady that was really hurting from another group, couldn't find her sponsor. And so they wanted me to talk with her and pray with her. And I thought that was so neat that they were so uh, burdened over this young lady's uh, pain and her grief that they wanted to pray for her. Amen. And it was really neat. And um, as you, I, one of the pictures there was a little dog in the river. I had to take that one because we were sitting by the river during free time. The gate is locked, so we couldn't go in there. But we would take our chairs sometimes and just sit there and look at the river. Well, this little dog just comes prancing on around. He belonged to one of the staff that lived there during the year. Went under the gate, just went down to the river, sit down on the river, and stayed there for, what, about 15 minutes? <laughs> it was so cute, and I thought, wow, he knows when to go. So, um, let me see, I have my, oh, you probably saw some of the things going on with the kids and the hair. 
they gave us racing stripes. I think Ted's is a little dull. <laughs> Poor Toby's not here, but his hair is red already, so they got his eyebrows. I, I didn't see the pictures. Are, are they oh, here? Can you show them, Bob? Yeah, for some reason they didn't upload the camp pictures on YouTube like they were going to. He so he would get them Saturday and for September. Oh, was that? Oh, well, I didn't hear him say that. But anyway, some of the few that I took uh, on here. Anyway, you'll see us with a hair coloring session. We were, I was naughty. We were supposed to have church group time, but uh, we kept telling Cregan we was going to color his hair, and we finally did. But then everybody decided they were going to get everybody, so we all got a little streak here and there. Uh, that's Hunter McKenzie doing Hunters. I think she did most of everybody. Although everybody got a little turn with Cregan, I think, too. That's Toby. He was trying to hide. They did his hair, and they were wanting to do his eyebrows, and he was trying to keep them from doing it. But they finally did. I don't know if you can see. There is a little bit closer. You can see it. <laughs> and there's Cregan. I think McKenzie was pulling his hair because he wouldn't sit still, so... Pretty, I know, poor Cregan. Poor guy lost his shoe during the uh, foam party we had. Monday night we had a big foam party. They took the gym and they tarped it all up, made it like a big inside swimming pool. Oh, Tuesday night? Okay, Tuesday night. I'm sorry. And uh, anyway, they were blowing foam in. I was going to go. I looked in and I thought, no, I'd fall in that foam, get trampled, and nobody would ever find me. So I just went right back out. But poor Cregan lost his shoe. He finally found it, and then he lost it again. So he went the rest of the week without a shoe, just one shoe. So, but the foam party was, was nice. It was fun. Kids had a great time. But um, I want to thank Helen and Bill for uh, driving us up there and then coming back up and getting us. They, they took out of their time to do that, and I want to thank them so much. But we had a great pastor this year. I had never heard him before. Runks Runkles. I think his name was Douglas Runkles, but they called him Runks for short. He was ADHD. He'll tell you he was ADHD. That guy was never still. He was very motivational. And one of the things that he talked about the most was Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship with Christ. And he kept emphasizing on that and emphasizing on that. And I think it really hit the kids. And I've had several come up and tell me that he said things that, that really stuck with them and they think is going to stick with them for life. So, And like I said, these kids were phenomenal. You guys would be very, very proud of them. Uh, we have a pic. There's the dog in the water. We do have a picture of all the kids together in front of the Alto Frio sign. So when you see that, that was all of our kids. So anyway, I'm going to turn it over to Ted. Now, now we have the truth now. <laughs> but Bob, can you put up the mug shots? <laughs> now, the truth is, when they got the picture of the camp, they were jetstream. The counselors. It says you got to do better than that. But in the time, they didn't have time to put new pictures, so we had these pictures around my neck all week. <laughs> when I went to brush my teeth, it was above the flank. When I washed my hands, it was above the sink. I glanced down, I see the top of his head and his eyes. I lay down that on on the side of the side. I opened my eye, and there's brother Frank laying right beside me. 
That, that is too much about the Frank Lesher, his wife, for a whole week. Being right know. next to you. I mean, it's, I could flip it open, put it in my pocket. So I just look at it, I'm going to take my teeth, I put it in my pocket. I bend over, and he popped out again. <laughs> so that, that's, that's the truth. Now, what, what would you think? That looked like a mug shot or something? <laughs> I thought he was picking his nose. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Sherry? I got you a shirt. Thank you, sir. I had you one, Carla, but I think someone took it. <laughs> okay, and yeah, it was really a wonderful week like that. I've said it before many times that uh, this week at, uh, we've been camped many times over the last almost, almost 30, 30 years almost. <laughs> and it, uh, it lifts me up. You know, I could, at a world with so much hate and crime and violence and cruelty, in this one week, I've seen these youth praising God. I mean, and uh, worshiping. I guess I'm uh, uh, coming over right now. <laughs> but it's just, it's, I don't know how to explain it. You'd have to, you'd have to be there sometimes. If you ever had a chance, you come up on a Thursday night or something like that, you know. And just see the kids worshiping. It gives you hope Amen. for a future. That it's not, all, it's not all hate, it's not all violence, it's not all killing. It's, we have a future. Amen. And our children owe a future. And we, we need to keep that up and, and praise them too like that. Too. And that, uh, I don't want to say, I love y'all. Amen. Thank you, brother. I know you've been quiet. Okay. One Bible study morning, they're talking about cage. You're in your cage. You, it got to me that, like Weston, my friend that's blind, he's in his cage. You can see a little bit of him. That he can now, he can do, he can walk by himself without his cane. He can play guitar. He can ride it. He can do his little wheel thing by himself. He can do all these things. And that stayed in my mind for the rest of the week. And there was this video that they they wrote on, and it said that this little puppy was in the pound, and the, pound, the puppy climbed up and got out. And it's like us. Jesus, Jesus, if you believe in him, you can get out of your cage. You can not be, you can, you can forgive people. You can stay with your friends. You can't, even though Satan has a target with for you, you still believe in him and that you still, you can still believe in him and have faith with him. Amen. Jaden? Jaden? You heard me. You got to listen to Grandma now. Duh. Uh, I don't really know what they want me to say, so. Well, tell them what you told me. What did I tell you? What, what stood out at camp to you? Uh, sorry for being short. Um, 
Create a pretty cool camp caster, same as Runks. Well, it's not his real name, but so we call him Runks. Uh, what do I? What is I mean, there's five ways of reaching the water. Okay. Well, nothing at camp stood out to you? Well, yeah, but okay. Uh, Besides the food fights and stuff? Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's a pretty fun experience, I guess. Uh, Monday. What did we do Monday? I don't know. This is going to be really weird because I don't. I didn't come prepared because I didn't think I'd have to talk. So. Oh, one thing he said about sin is you have to stop looking at it like it's some sort of forbidden candy that you can't have. Uh, stop looking at it as something that you can't do and something that you don't have to do anymore because you're free. Amen. So that's that's, that's pretty so, heavy right there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's something that'll stick with me for the rest of my life. Amen. So. I guess that's all. I think he's a little shy. Because I don't know if you saw the picture, but Mackenzie beat him up and she had her foot on <laughs> Anyone else? Philip, you don't want to say anything? You probably do. Just a little bit? Fake news? No, fake news. I didn't want to say anything. Oh, okay. Well, I guess that's it then, guys. Sorry. Thank you. Amen. I'm glad you guys had a good time. And this year they made these uh, signs to put on each one of their tents, uh, cabins from what I understand. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. And and guys, I, I pray that, uh, as Ted said, let me point that out too. It's not, it is incredible. You may say, well, that's just a youth camp type thing. You go as a counselor, yes, you're going to walk, yes, you're going to be busy, and yes, there's usually drama of some sort here or there. But in the bottom line of things, when you see these kids, so you get a 1,000 kids. How many were at Master's Camp this year? Uh, I think it was a little over a 1,000, wasn't it, Carla? Oh, there's Carla. Didn't hear it? Yes, Jaden? Oh, it was 800? Uh, uh, around 800 students. When you get 800 youth together, and at least 90% of them are actually worshiping, is a powerful experience. And to sit on the sidelines and watch that, it, you can't help but be drawn into that worship experience as well. I, I, I hate that I couldn't go. A lot of things happened. But God has a plan, God has a will, and God ha knew who needed to go. And I think Ted and Ann did a great job. I'm, I am very glad, Ted, that I was able to bless you with such a beautiful portrait to carry around your neck for the entire week. <laughs> just remember you wouldn't have got meals without me hanging around your neck just like that <laughs> yeah there you go there you go praise the Lord if you have your Bibles this morning we're going to speak briefly quickly I know it's getting late I'll, I'll, I'll tend to condense somewhat but I would like you to turn to 2nd Kings pardon oh 2nd <laughs> Kings chapter 5 2 Kings chapter 5, a passage of scripture here. We're going to look at a story that many of y'all probably have read at one time or another, but I want to reiterate it somewhat this morning because I believe there is something that the Lord laid in my heart that we could see that gets washed away when we truly trust, as, as Ann said a while ago, trust that God is still a miracle-working God. God works miracles. However, we have to take the steps that we are supposed to do to be able to see and witness and be a part of those miracles oftentimes. As we get started this morning, imagine, 
imagine you attended a, an incredibly well-known university or college, and, and you, you graduated with honors. You got all the right pedigrees. You got all the, the right paperwork. You, you've got the right names behind you. You're very intelligent. You get a really good job at a, at a, a, a large company, and you, you get the promotions. You move up. Everything's going well. You finally eventually become the CEO of this corporation. You've you you've just got everything going on. You continue to grow the business. You you expand out into the world, and and one day you can stop and you can just look out there and say, "Man, I have made it. My name means something. You've made a name for yourself. You've done everything right. You've been blessed, and and people hear your name and they know who you are. You're very smart. You're well known in your field. Not to mention how how rich you are. Now you have all that going for you." You have everything's worked out right. You're at the very top, at the very pinnacle. But then one day you feel a little bit of pain in your body. And you go to the doctor and the doctor tells you that your sickness is terminal. That after all that stuff that you've done and how popular and how rich and all the things you have, but all of a sudden the doctor says it's terminal. How do you think you would feel? You'd be devastated. All, the, all that hard work, all that education, all, all your riches, not to mention the, the, the large company and all the employees that are in your charge, all of a sudden all that means absolutely nothing. All that stuff you strove for, none of it means anything once you find out you need a miracle. Where you see, when that, when, God, when that illness touches, money can't fix it. None of the things that the world throws out there can fix it, possibly. It's when you, then that you go to God. In 2 Kings, in chapter 5, we see a man here this morning that pretty much was there. This is a man that had everything. This is a man that had climbed to the, to the very pinnacle. His name is Naaman. He was the son of Benjamin. He was the captain of the Syrian army. He was a man of great valor. He was a great leader. He was smart. He was daring. He had won many battles. This was a man... That, that had the whole world in the palm of his hands. This was a man that had everything going for him. When he walked into the room, people just kind of moved to the side and honored him everywhere he went. He had everything that, that the worldly flesh would, could possibly want. He was at the very top of the world. But unfortunately, while he had all that stuff, there's an incredible twist in his life. And that's where we'll pick up in verse 1, one chapter 5, verse 1. Naaman, the commander of the army for the king of Aram, was a great man in his master's sight and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man was a brave warrior, but he had a skin disease. Aram had gone on raids and brought back from the land of Israel a young girl who served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would go to the prophet who is in Samaria, he could cure him of this skin disease. So Naaman went and told his master what the girl from the land of Israel had said. Therefore, the king of Aram said, Go, and I will send a letter with you to the king of Israel. So he went, and he took with him 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 changes of clothes. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, and it read, When this letter comes to you, note that I have sent you my servant Naaman, for you to cure him of his skin disease. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes, and he asked, Am I God? Killing and giving life that this man expects me to cure a man of his diseases? Think it over and you will see that he is only picking a fight with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel tore his clothes, he sent a message to the king. Why have you torn your clothes? Have him come to me and he will know there is a prophet in Israel. 
So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And then Elisha sent him a messenger who said, Go wash seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be clean. Now let's stop there for just a moment. Unfortunately, Naaman finds out that he has leprosy. Now, back in his day, leprosy was a terminal thing. It was a done deal. You got leprosy, it was over. It meant I'm going to die, and I'm going to die sometime soon. He was going to be quarantined. He was going to be pulled away because he's contagious. He would have been called unclean. He would have been been called a, a cast out. There was no cure. This man who was at the very pinnacle of life that had all these things going for him, when he got that skin disease, this was a death sentence. Naaman, the, the captain, this powerful man, is absolutely powerless with the sickness. His position in the army means absolutely nothing. His intelligence means absolutely nothing. All the battles he has won, all the, the achievements that he has made, all those things he could write down on a resume couldn't change that he had leprosy, and leprosy meant that there was going to be an end. All those things in his life all of a sudden become totally insignificant. Well, there was a little girl that, that was in his household, a slave girl that he had, they had captured, and she was a slave to his wife, and she comes up and says, you know, my master, if you would tell my master there's a prophet in Samaria who can heal him, if he would just go and do so. So she told, told about the prophet in Samaria, and, and the wife tells Naaman, and Naaman says, great. Now, Samaria is the capital of the northern kingdom of Israel. And Naaman finds out that this prophet could heal him, goes to his master and says, hey, I want to go. I want, I want to go search for this prophet. Now, understand, folks, what he really needs is not the prophet. What he needs is God. What he needs is to find out that he can't buy this prophet. He can't buy his cure. He can't legislate his cure. What he really needs is God. And I would share with you that maybe even here this morning, there are people who are looking for the prophet. There are people coming to church looking for the, the, that feel-good feeling. They're looking for the right song. They're looking for the right word. And I would submit to you today that no matter what your ailment may be, whether it's medical, financial, physical, relational, whatever it may be, you're not going to find it in man. You're going to find your answer in God. Naaman was not there yet. Naaman went looking for the prophet. It's kind of funny how so many people don't ever think of God until they absolutely need it, until they have to. That's where Naaman was at this point. He, he was at that point, nothing could heal him, his money, none of the things. And even then, instead of looking up to God, he said, hey, I'll go find the prophet of God. I wish I could say to you that I am some kind of great speaker and great, uh, I have some kind of interconnection to God where I could heal you. But folks, I'm going to tell you, if you came just to see me, or just to see Bob and Chris, or maybe just to get your card punched that you went to church, you're missing the boat. You come to church to see God. You pray in the mornings. You pray when you pray so that you can see God. Well, Naaman, he goes to his king and, and he asks permission. I want to go up to Samaria and I, I, I want to be healed. There's a prophet there that can heal me. This little girl said so. Well, the king there in Samaria knew that he was the weaker king. And when he gets this letter... From Naaman's king saying, I want you to heal my, prop, my, my, my servant, my, my captain. He's scared to death. He's thinking, I, I, I can't do that. What's going on here? And so he rips his clothing. He says, how can I cure somebody of disease? I can't, am I God that I can kill and make alive? 
I, I can't do those things. In fact, Deuteronomy 32, 39, it says very clearly, it says, I kill and I make heal. I wound and I heal. I, neither is there any other one but me that can do these things. Talking about God. That's God saying those things. So the king of Samaria is thinking, he knows I can't heal him. He knows I can't save his life. He's writing this letter to me because he just wants to pick a fight. I'm going to have to say, I can't cure your captain. And he's going to say, well, then now I'm angry with you. And he draws the sword. He's going to come conquer me. And the king of Samaria is just thinking, I'm going to die. I'm going to die because this captain wants me to heal him. Again, we, that he understands, I can't do this. Naaman understands, a man can't really do this. Show me your prophet. Your prophet can do it, maybe. Only God can heal, folks. The miracle working power, you'll see folks get on TV and say, I can wave my hanky and I have the miracle working stuff. Folks, there is not a man alive that heals. If there's healing, if there's miracles to be done, it comes from God. It is not about a man, it is about Christ. Well, when Elisha, the prophet of God, hears what's going on, he tells the king, don't worry about it. The, the, you know, I see you tore your clothes, you think there's going to be a war? Send him to me. I know what needs to happen here. Now, Naaman, you know, he's still looking for the prophet. He's still looking for a miracle, but he's looking to that from a man. And he says, okay, Naaman hears from the king. I want you to go see Elisha, and this is, I want you to go speak to him, and he's going to be able to, to work with you here. Naaman's going to find out that it's not Elijah who does, Elisha who does it, it's God. That only God. And God is the only way. So Naaman goes to Elisha's house, he steps out there, and he's thinking, Naaman, that Naaman's thinking, Elisha's going to come out, he's going to lay hands on me, he's going to rub me with something, and I'm going to be healed. Or it maybe he might be thinking, Elisha's going to come out, and he's going to speak some kind of a prayer, and I'm going to go home, I'm going to give him my gold, my silver, and, and I'm going to go home, and I'm going to be whole, and everybody's going to be happy. He's still thinking this miracle's going to be worked by a man. Well, instead, what happens, Naaman, this captain, who's used to everybody bowing down to him, who's used to everything being his way, goes there, and Elisha doesn't even go out and talk to him. He sends a servant. Right off the bat, think about it, this is a captain that has won all these battles. There's a pride thing going on, and Elisha, the prophet, doesn't even come out to talk to him. He sends a servant out there, and the servant says, go duck yourself in the river seven times, and God will heal you. Now, the servant understands, and he's telling him, you go dunk yourself in the river, and it's God who will heal you. Damon's kind of upset at this point. He is angry. He's looking for the so-called prophet Elisha, and you send me a servant out here. Why should I do that? Why should I go dip myself in that filthy Jordan, it says, when I have the great rivers, the Abana and the far part in my land? Why should I dip myself in your muddy water when I have two beautiful rivers down south? He's still thinking like a man. He's still thinking that man can heal. He's still thinking that it's my way. I want to do it my way. Now, at this point, praise God, the servants that went with him stopped him and calmed him down and said, hey, 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 you need to use a little caution here. If the prophet had asked you to do something simple, wouldn't you have done it? If he asked you to just come up and lay hands on you or something, wouldn't you have done it? Yet you're griping and complaining. You better think a little bit. And the thought I get here is, Remember, too, God can speak wisdom through anybody. Here he was speaking it through the servants of this captain. This captain's angry. His pride has gotten a hold of him. He's thinking, he will send a servant to speak to me and tell me to go dunk myself in the muddy Jordan seven times? I know. But his servant said, think about what you're saying. This is your only chance that you know of that could get you healed. And are you really going to let pride keep you from doing this? And the, 
oftentimes, guys, it's when we get a crisis in our life like this that we actually finally look to God. Naaman had known the prophecy. I mean, Naaman had known the books of the Bible. He had been to synagogue. He obviously would have. He would have heard the teachings of the Word of God. But yet his pride would not allow him to look up. And it took a crisis to make him understand that it's not his way, it's God's way. And even then, he had to have servants. He had to have those around him remind him. It's not about how you want to do this. It's how God chooses to work his miracles. Now, I share this with you for this reason as well. So many times we think we can tell God how he's going to work his miracles. We tell God the plans that we have made rather than listen to the plans that God has made. We tell God how he has to do things rather than listen to him and do things the way he tells us to do them. Well, that doesn't make sense. I'm going to do it my way anyway. Folks, if you want to see that miraculous work of God, you want to see the miracles of God work, in the moment of crisis in your life, don't question what he says. Don't question what the word says. Just do it. Just follow through. And you may say, well, that doesn't make sense. You know, that professor so-and-so said, or he'll get me like Naaman. Why would I want to dunk myself in that muddy Jordan? You know, I'll get dirty. God wouldn't want me to get dirty. If God says this is the way the miracle comes, then that's the way it needs to be. And we need to follow through. Naaman would have continued depending on himself and trusting in himself if something major had not happened. But instead, this crisis comes into his life, and he goes, and then his pride almost interrupts it, but he stops. He realizes through his servants, he needs God. He needs this salvation. He needs this cleansing. He doesn't like going and having a dunk in the river. He doesn't like that Elisha's servant comes and speaks to him. But he says, you know what? I need this. Now, can you imagine this proud captain, this man who, 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 who was right, had the king's ear? Can you imagine what's going through his mind when he walks out into the mud of the Jordan River? He has beautiful rivers at home, but now he's at the muddy Jordan, and, and he's walking out there. It's probably cold, it's muddy, and he's going out there, and he's like, ugh. But this is what they said do, I will try it. And he dunks himself that first time. And you know what happens? He gets up, he looks, nothing. He sees nothing. He sees no change in his skin condition. He sees everything just like it was. However, you know what really, I believe, washed away in that first Duncan? His disobedience. You think about it, he didn't want to do this. But finally, he succumbed to what God told him to do. He goes out there, and he dunks himself. This is a man that already had everything. He didn't need to be in this muddy water, but he obeyed God. When God, through Elisha, through the servant, said, go into the Jordan and dunk yourself seven times. He goes out there, he dunks himself, doesn't need his accomplishments, it's not about his education, it's not about all his worldly things, he does what he's supposed to do. And he dunks himself into the water. Folks, what we need is more God and less things. We keep on relying on our things, and sometimes God says, I just want you to dunk in the water. Sometimes we have everything going for us in life, But just like Naaman, something comes up and we don't know what to do. Sometimes we just need to wash away our disobedience and say, God, here I am. That's what Naaman did. And that first dunk, he went under the water. Came up, no change to his body. But then in his mind, he realized, I just did what I was told to do. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 6, what does it it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? 
We need to do what God's called us to do. Naaman's finding out God's way may not be his way. But he goes, he dunks himself that first time, no change. So he dunks himself the second time, and he comes up, and his skin's still the same. But now what's happened? I believe the first time he washed away the disobedience, he's obeying God. But now he gets down, and he comes back up, and then the stubbornness is gone. You know, before he's like, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it. After the second time, now it's like, okay, Lord, if this is what you would have me to do, how many of us need our stubbornness washed away? How many of us will sit and argue with God and argue with God and argue with God? This is what I want. This is what I want. This is what I want. And God says, I don't care what you want. This is what's best for you. And rather than doing what he calls us to do, we stubbornly stand there. Naaman is pointing out, pointing out to us seven times he was dunked. The first time, disobedience is gone. Second time, the stubbornness is gone because he says, I'm going to keep doing it now. You know, I fought it at first. I didn't like it at first, but the stubbornness is gone, and I'm just going to keep on dunking myself. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. So the disobedience goes away. The stubbornness goes away. He, he didn't have a plan of escape of his own, so he says, God, what would you have me to do here? So he, he goes back the third time. He's out there, and he dunks himself, and he comes up, and Looks at his skin, nothing's changed. Nothing, 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 the skin condition's all the same. But by this point, what's happened? Disobedience is gone. The stubbornness is gone. This proud man is now covered in the muddy water. All that pride that he had, all that, that look at me. Now he's like, everybody's watching him. He's muddy. He's nasty. It took this crisis to get him in this position. But he's humbled himself now. He's dipped himself three times in this muddy water. He's come up. He's going to be dirty. I, I can't help but wonder what he thought when Elisha sent a servant out to speak to him, his pride. It, I can't imagine how he thought when he said, I'm not getting in that dirty water. I got clean water at home. But now, here he is, muddy, dirty, doing what the Lord told him to do. The, the disobedience is gone. The stubbornness is gone. The pride is gone. Folks, let me tell you, Pride is, the, is, is our worst, worst enemy. Pride, is, pride comes before the fall. When we get prideful, that's when we do stupid things. That's when we, do, we, we, we push God out and push ourselves to the foremost. At this point, Naaman, the pride is gone. This general, this general is used to having people kiss his hand, feeding him grapes and fanning him with big leaves, is standing there muddied, dirty, been talked to and treated by this prophet by sending his servant to him this was a major test of his faith but he said you know this is the only option i have it's the only way i can be healed is through the way god says it and he and he, and he dunks himself a fourth time so disobedience goes away the stubbornness goes away the pride's going away and now what about that self-pity by the fourth time of dunking he's going to come up and he's like you know, I was feeling sorry for myself, but, you know, I am what I am at this point. I, I've committed myself to it. I, I'm done. I'm just going to go ahead and do what God's told me to do. No more difficulty here. So, so many times we get so concerned about our physical healing when really God's trying to heal us spiritually first. And when we heal the spirit, you know what happens with the physical? It gets done if it gets done. If it doesn't, I stand in the presence of my Lord. Paul said... To be absent of the body is to be present with the Lord. I can live for Christ here, but to die is gain, Paul says. We lose that self-pity when I realize I'm doing what God's telling me to do. 
And if I'm doing what God's telling me to do, whether I die from my skin disease or not, doesn't change the fact I've done what God's called me to do. I can stand in His presence. My obedience will, will shine through. Folks, God wants to see our humility. He wants to see that we will humble ourselves and, and, and in obedience put aside the pride and say, God, what would you have me to do here? He doesn't want to just give us the gifts of healing because then we would just be spoiled children. But he says, do these things. Do what I've called you to do. Obey what I have to say. Do what I've called you to do and watch what happens. You know, Naaman brought gold. He brought silver. He brought all this stuff. He thought he could buy the prophet. He thought he could buy God. But he knew now he realizes, nope, I've got to stay committed. So Naaman ducks himself the, the fifth time. Now he comes up. It's five times. You know, all these things have been washed away from him at this point. There's no more pride. There's no more disobedience. There's no more self-pity. He's so committed to this now, it's just, I'm going to finish it. He comes up. He realizes, hey, I'm still a leper. Nothing has changed here. But now he looks at himself and says, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to persevere. I'm not going to get angry and just stomp out of this water. How many of us, when we try three or four times the way God says do it, and it doesn't work the way we want, get angry and quit. How many times, maybe at the fifth dip at the well, we say, I'm done. I'm tired of praying about it. I'm tired of trying to do it God's way. Naaman could have got angry. Naaman could have said, that's five times I've dipped myself in this muddy water, and yet nothing has happened, Lord. None of the leprosy is going away. I'm going to quit. How many times have we missed a blessing from God because we quit? How many times has God about to just do incredible things but in our anger, because he's not doing it as quickly as we want him to do it, we step aside and we stomp out of the water. He didn't allow himself to get angry at this point. He, the pride, the disobedience, and, and the self-pity, all those things have been washed away. Where at the fifth time, he looks at his skin and says, okay, nothing has changed. I'm not going to get angry and stomp out of the water. I'm going to continue to do what God's called me to do. Folks, there's a, there's a lesson right there for us. So many times I see people just get angry with the ministry, get angry with, with other church members, get angry with God himself because they didn't go the way they wanted it to go, and they stomp out of the water. Well, Naaman didn't do that. He dunks himself the sixth time. And when he comes up, all that self-righteousness, everything that he was is, is gone. This great man of valor, a commander in the army, stands up. It's going to be rather humiliating. He's muddy, he's nasty. He's looking at his servants all on the deck over there. And he's thinking, what have I done? But if I want healing in my life, I need to continue. If I want healing to continue, if I want, to, want God to work a miracle thing, I'm going to do what the, the man of God said to do. I'm going to dunk myself seven times. So he goes back out there. Now, this, this, the wrath has been cleansed from his body. The that everything is done, but he goes out and he says, this is the last one. He dunks himself the seventh time. He comes up and he looks at his skin and it's gone. Because he persevered, because he let disobedience be washed away, because he let the pride be washed away, because he let the self-pity be washed away, because he humbled himself before God, because he didn't allow himself to get angry in the midst of it, because he went ahead and committed himself to do what God called him to do, he was able to be a part of an incredible, 
incredible, incredible miracle. In fact, in Luke chapter 4, 27, it says, As many lepers as there were in Israel, none were cleansed, saving Naaman. In other words, the only man that God chose to heal from all that full leprosy was Naaman. And why was Naaman allowed to be healed? Because Naaman did what God told him to do. He argued at first. He complained at first. His pride almost didn't let him do it. But he listened to the congregation of people around him and understood that if this is what God said to do, I'll do it even though I don't see how it's going to work. And he went out there and, and each dip came up and the leprosy was still there. And he could have gotten mad and walked out, but he went ahead and finished and carried out what the Scriptures told him, what the man of God told him to do. And on the seventh time, a miraculous thing happened and it came from heaven above. I share this message for this reason. And I talked about this some Thursday night and then we talked about it a little bit in Sunday school this morning. We still serve a miracle-working God. I don't care what people say. There are those who go to church who claim that God was working miracles in the apostolic age, and this is a different age. There is no scripture that says God quit, quit working miracles. In fact, he says that he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. My God is still in the miracle-working business. We need to get back to being the people that puts aside the pride and looks for those miracles. We need to become the people that when he says, dip yourself seven times in the muddy river, we don't say, oh, but that's dirty. We need to become the people that, that look at that muddy river and say, God, I don't understand, but if that's what you tell me to do, that's where I'll go. We need to become the people that quit arguing with God and, and out, of our, out of our pride and out of our disobedience and just say, God, here am I, send me. When we become that people, then we would be able to testify to the miracles that God's working around us. And maybe even just like Naaman, through us as well. We want to see a miracle working God? Then be like Naaman and do what he tells you to do. It may go against all your senses. What do you mean I got to dip myself in a muddy river? My doctors have nice clean drugs they can inject into me. If God says dunk yourself in the muddy river, then dunk yourself in the muddy river. Trust what the Lord says. Now understand too, I'm not saying not to go to the doctors. God's given the doctors the, the the, the knowledge and the, the medicines and everything that they have. Trust God to guide their hands and their actions. But you're putting your trust not in the doctors and the nurses, you're putting your trust in God. That way, whatever comes what may, whether I live or whether I die, just like the three boys that went into the fiery furnace, whether I live or I die, you have no control over. It's what my God allows to happen that will prevail. Folks, when we start looking at life from that viewpoint, when we start looking at life, it's not about putting my faith in a doctor's hands. It's not about putting my faith in a pastor's hands. It's not about putting my faith in a president or in a government or even in my country or that country. My faith is in Jesus Christ, the one true way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But that's, not, that's being too, too narrow, Pastor. You're, you're being a, a, a bigot. You're being this. You, why won't you open it up? Because my God said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. However, every man is welcome if he will accept me. It's not narrow because he's opened it to everybody. You have to put aside your pride and accept him. If you choose not and you stomp out of the river before the miracle of works of salvation is done and you stand before the pearly gate one day and you say, I went to church, I went to church, I, I, I didn't like what that pastor kept saying about one God, but I still went to church. I want in, and Jesus is going to say, I'm sorry, 
I never knew you. Your name's not written in the book here. Oh, but I went to church. I even cast out demons in your name. That's not what I told you to do. I told you to be washed by the blood of the Lamb. To accept me. To let the Holy Spirit move within you. Then go out and make disciples and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But you chose not. You chose to do it your way. And because you chose your way, it wasn't my way. Depart, you worker of iniquity. Folks, God's ways may not be our ways sometimes. And praise God for that because his ways are higher. But when we trust his way, miraculous things can happen. The very fact that I can stand before you with the life that I have lived and say that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I will be accepted into the kingdom of God, not by my works, but by the works of Jesus Christ, is a miraculous thing. I am going to go into heaven one day because I have been washed by the blood of the Lamb. And as you saw from the picture they put up there earlier, it takes a lot of washing to get me to where I can be righteous. But His blood is enough. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that miraculous occurrence of Him washing you, moving into your life and changing you from what you were to a new creation can be done if you just listen and do what he tells you to do. He said, believe in your heart, then profess with your mouth, then shall you be saved. But you have to believe in your heart so that you'll put away the pride and all the other self-righteousness and self-pity and disobedience and, and wrath and all those things. If you believe in your heart, he'll cleanse you from those things and make you a new creation. You're here this morning, you don't know Jesus. That's your first thing. You're here and you do know Jesus, and you say, but I don't think he works miracles anymore. I'd say quit thinking and just start trusting. You know, I tease Annabelle all the time. I teased all my kids, not just Annabelle. She said, well, I thought this. That's where you messed up. Your thinker's broke. Our thinker is broke sometimes when it comes to God. Just get rid of it and let God be the, do the thinking for you. And watch what happens. Where are you at this morning? I pray that each one of us can see a miracle such as Naaman was able to witness. I pray we don't have to have it work in our exact lives like he had to have it work, but even then, you know, these doctors with, with Marty are trying to figure out how he's healing so quickly. My mother was real quick to say that it's the miracles of God. Amen. Give God the glory for glory is due and watch what happens. Where are you in your life this morning? Where are you? As I'll stand, I want to lead us in a word of prayer. If God's calling you out to this altar, and I know it's warm in here, I see everybody fanning. I'm going to get somebody on that air conditioner this week. But don't think about how hot it is in here right now. Think about where you are at spiritually. Is God working in your life? Have you seen the miracles of God happening in your life? It's not because God doesn't work miracles any longer. Trust Him. God's speaking to you. This altar will be open. I can pray with you. You can pray right where you're at. But will you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning? Will you trust Him with your problems, with your illnesses, your finances, your children? Will you look up to Him today? As we pray. Father God, I just come before you and just, I thank you that I can look at the testimony of Naaman and realize that 
Each time he dipped himself into that water, another part of his personality was washed away. A part that wasn't supposed to be there. So that on the seventh time, he could come up and give you praise and give you honor and give you glory. God, if we continue to read that story, we see that he offers all those things still to the prophet. And the prophet says, I don't want those. I just want you to give glory to God. And he goes and his whole house is saved. Father, there's a man that was changed by you. May you change the hearts of men here today. May we choose not our way, but your way. Satan is real good about making things look fun. Making things look good. Relationships. Finances. He's real good about putting those things out there and make us think this is the way. Even though we know in our heart it's not. Help us to choose the right course, Lord. And may your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. As we sing this morning, is God speaking to you? You may be in the midst of having to make a, a major decision. Where's God calling you? What's God telling you to do? It may be something out of your comfort zone. My nephew starts a position today at a, a church outside of Austin where he's coming from a little country church in East Texas. And he's stepping in a position there with church of thousands of members. That's a, that's a big step for him. But he's, he's prayed about it, and that's where he feels like God's leading him. Maybe God's leading you to do the same thing. And you're saying, I can't do something. That's way too big. Isn't it great we serve a big God? It may seem way too big, but my God's bigger. Just trusting to do with you what he's called you to do. He's telling you to go to the River Jordan and dump, dunk yourself seven times. Dunk yourself seven times and watch what God will do. If you come up that seven time and you say, well, I don't see any change yet. Just think about how you're cooler now than when you went in and it was hot outside. I don't know. But watch how God will change you. Just trust him. As we sing this morning, guys. Oftentimes, you know, I was speaking with a pastor this past week and we were talking about how he had just preached a revival in the church and he said, no one moved. He said, it, it, it broke his heart. An entire week of, of sermons and he preached and he said, no one ever came to the altar. And he, he, he said, I just don't understand. But we understand and we should. And he, he did understand actually. No one moves if they don't listen to the word of God. And if they're listening and God says not move, they won't. The thing is, what I told him what he already knew. We just trust the Lord to do what He can do, and the rest He's allowed you to make a decision. If you're here today and God's asked you to choose life over death, and you still chose death, don't stand before Him one day and say, you never heard. Don't stand before Him one day and say, I didn't know. Because He's going to say, you made a decision. This is what He's saying, I have decided. And if you chose to hope, wait to make that decision, you still chose. You either chose to follow Jesus or you chose not to. That's the choice you make today. Amen. It's good seeing everybody this morning. Praise the Lord for each one of you. Please realize and understand we serve a God who's in a miracle working business. I wouldn't want to serve a God that couldn't work miracles. I wouldn't want to serve a God that this world was bigger than. But I choose to serve a God who's bigger than he that is of this world. And that God's open to you as well. Go out there and, and, and 
let the world see the light of an almighty God this morning. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's good seeing everybody today. I praise the Lord for each one of you. Keep looking up. We have our, our services tonight. We've, we've missed quite a few evening services because everybody's been traveling. Either illnesses or traveling. However, if you want to come on to the Revelation class tonight, we're going to be having Revelation this evening. Thursday night, we are uh, having our lunch and Bible studies there as well. So I encourage you to come on the evening times too. Guys, keep looking up, keep trusting the Lord, and wherever you go, just give God glory. Amen? Amen. Brother Brian, will you close us this morning, brother? Well, Father, thank you for letting us come here. And worship in your presence, God. I pray that, that uh, everything here today glorifies you, God. And I pray that what we uh, learn from your word, God, will help us to uh, be, uh, show you better to our friends, God. And help us to have the reassurance in our own lives, God. And to trust you. Thank you for the miracles that you did perform, God. Thank you for the uh, arrangements that you do make for us, Lord, in your perfect will. And Lord, we do pray all these things uh, in the name of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Again, I apologize for the heat. We'll get that work on this week. Thank you.